Welcome to the Data Knowledge Action for Urban Systems podcast series. In this series, we shall explore systems used to build intelligent urban systems, technology used to innovate systems capable of collecting, storing, processing, analyzing, and evaluating data on the most prevalent health-related issues in cities' different sector, like transportation, employment, housing, public health, and public space. This series is brought to you jointly by CoData, the Committee on Data of the International Science Council, Urban Health and Wellbeing Program, and Center for Applied Geomatics Research and Development Foundation. Via this series, we bring to you reflections on the interdisciplinary approaches and the innovative use converting data knowledge action systems for healthy cities. Hi, this is Shelly Gandhi from CEPT Research and Development Foundation. Today, we bring to you an episode on fair data sharing practice for making integrated systems work dynamically for cities. In this episode, we have Andrew Young, Knowledge Director of the Governance Lab at New York University. I welcome you on this episode, Andrew. Thanks so much for having me. So today, we are going to discuss with Andrew looking at what are the advantages of making data reusable and why fair data sharing practices are important. Especially, we'll highlight what kind of data are necessary to make integrated systems work for making the city dynamic. Absolutely. So ultimately, while we live in an increasingly uh, what's called a data age, where there is unprecedented amounts of data being shared, uh, being collected, shared, and held, by actors across sectors, and there is an increasing recognition of the potential value of data to improve decision-making and create new public value um, in a variety of ways. Often, or always, uh, actors working in the public interest don't necessarily have access to all of the data that might improve the way that they operate and the way that they make decisions and deliver services and make policies that affect people's lives. So ultimately, uh, the question often becomes, how can you identify the demand for data among those working in the public interest, identify where the supply of that data might exist? Because often what we find is that addressing a particular opportunity or a demand might not require new data collection or new data generation, but actually just the reuse of data that's already being collected and held in other contexts. So how do you identify where those data sets might reside? And then how do you create the type of operational model and governance approach that would allow that data to be reused by an actor working in the public interest in a way that's systematic, sustainable, and responsible and can help to uh, effectively and legitimately address different types of demand or, or public challenges. Thank you so much. And Andrew, as we proceed, I had recently read about the data assembly program, which was conducted by your organization. And it was one of the best examples, which highlighted an inclusive approach and the frameworks taken on board for the New York City's data sharing policy. It would be very interesting to know frameworks adopted in depth from you. Sure, and uh, and thanks so much. So the, the data assembly was an initiative that we launched here in New York City in April and May of uh, 2020 at the peak of the pandemic um, here in New York. And this was a program uh, funded by the Luce Foundation that really aimed to establish a methodology for building a social license 
for data reuse in cities and more generally, and really to identify what types of design principles or steps in a process a city and other data holders and other data reusers working in the public interest could take on board as they design and implement data reuse projects specifically to address COVID-19. Um, so what we did was establish uh, a first of its kind uh, citizens assembly around the reuse of data. So through the use of, uh, of the term of art is mini publics, establishing three mini publics of you know, first uh, a group that contained policymakers in New York City and representatives from data holding organizations, businesses and institutions uh, across the city, a second mini public that had representatives from uh, rights and advocacy organizations. So here you can think about people who, uh, who work on issues for people who are unhoused, for immigrants, for certain um, vulnerable communities who might not always have their voices represented in these types of discussions. And then finally, a third mini public that had a group of uh, New Yorkers from across the five boroughs. And we had a series of consultations with these different mini publics using concrete examples of data reuse projects and a kind of structured framework for, for getting their uh, feedback to determine what are some of those principles when it comes to the who, what, where, when, why, and how of data reuse that these different communities and these different uh, perspectives feel uh, would be most impactful and most appropriate going forward. So we used, we established this methodology that we've then shared with a number of other actors, including the, um, the OECD as a way to potentially use that methodology going forward as a means for building this social license and getting this type of public support and uh, guidance and steering of these types of data reuse projects to ensure that they align with, with those preferences and priorities. But then, you know, more immediately, we developed a set of concrete recommendations and a framework full of design principles and, and recommended strategies for actors working in New York City and in other contexts to actually align their reuse of data to address things like understanding the impact, social distancing provisions on mobility patterns in cities using different types of data sources. How can you establish that kind of project in a way that aligns with uh, uh, public perceptions on what will be valuable and what will be appropriate and what wouldn't introduce new types of risks or sensitivities? Um, into play. So that, that was kind of what the program did and you know, is really re uh, reflective of a lot of our work at GovLab where we seek to you know, develop and apply methodologies that can be used at a broad level while also delivering on a particular type of opportunity or need, in this case, establishing this methodology for gaining a social license while also giving that very specific and concrete guidance to the specific context of data reuse and COVID-19 in New York City. Sure, and indeed, I uh, really appreciate the inclusive approach because, of course, the cities are where citizens live, and if they have a voice in the policies, it makes a lot of difference. So looking at some of the practical examples, it would be interesting to know more about the telecommunication data and how it can be reused and reproduced to have better insights about the city. Sure, and telecommunications data is definitely one of those core types of data uh, that we see being reused in this kind of data collaborative type of arrangement where data is being reused by public interest actors across sectors. 
know, we did some work lab-side together with partners at a group called the ISI Foundation, which is a data science organization that we partner with regularly, as well as some others working in Santiago de Chile to understand how we can use telecommunications data and other sources to understand the mobility patterns of women and girls in Santiago as distinct from the mobility patterns of men and boys, ultimately toward uh, giving the city an understanding of how they can make more gender inclusive urban planning decisions, provide better access to transportation to help increase women's and girls' mobility, which then unlocks new opportunities for advancing their livelihoods, to new economic opportunities, getting access to education, like in all of those uh, good follow-on effects that tend to, to come from increased mobility. But in that project and in many others uh, in the space, uh, we used data that from tele from a telecommunications firm, in this case Telefonica in Santiago, to understand aggregated mobility patterns. So the type of data that we used in this case was called detail records, which are data sets that give an indication of where calls or texts were sent or received based on how uh, an individual's device is pinging local cell towers. So the closest cell tower to where they are. We could get into the weeds of the technicalities, but ultimately the value comes from the fact that that information can then be aggregated and anonymized in a way that gives a signal of where people tend to be moving, clustering, and what those patterns of mobility are, not for an individual, not the person whose name is on the uh, on the account, but at a more aggregated level to understand that here we see trends of high levels of population inflows and outflows in different areas. And whenever you start to disaggregate that data or add additional layers and complexity through other data sets, you can get a really good sense of what um, some of those mobility uh, realities are and then uh, gear decision-making around that. And our study, used a few other data sets like OpenStreetMap data, like some data from open government data portals and others to really get a clear sense of how in Santiago, I could get into all of our findings, but we got a really good sense of how women and girls move around the city, seeing that especially lower income women and girls move around significantly less than those who are higher income, significantly less than men, whether they be high or low income, we saw a relatively small impact of access to transportation or proximity to transportation, increasing um, lower income women's mobility patterns that had very little effect. We saw some, some signals on the importance of having access to childcare as a key determinant of whether, whether women move around at a greater level than others. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we could um, the the real so the real lesson learned um, and signal coming from that study was all of the ways that if you have a a clear and well defined question and a clear and well defined opportunity for using this kind of aggregated in this case telecommunication data but other data sets that could be brought uh, to the table if you have a clear question and a clear problem that you're trying to organize yourself around. These data sets can provide a lot of different value depending on how you apply them and how you uh, bring them together with other data sets that might provide 
a useful signal of either the current situation in a city as we were doing with uh, the Santiago project can also get a better understanding in some cases of causes and their effects. You can help to predict new conditions on the ground going forward and also to really assess the impact of different policies and other types of interventions. Indeed, thank you so much. And it was very interesting to know that how the telecommunication data can be used to come up with different solutions and have a lot of socioeconomical issues highlighted. Without having citizens involved, still the government can take actions on the required issues. So now the next thing is uh, something very interesting where we can look at the role of data in planning cities as cities have been always very dynamic and with the insights from the data which flows in from various sectors it could be very interesting to see how the city grows what would be the future trends which industries need to come in and many more questions can be answered there are vivid kind of solutions which cities can come up with if they have the correct data and the data is being reused in best of its way. So I believe this is somewhere uh, you could also help us understand the cost analysis and the value of data as the massive data comes into picture over here and a lot of historical data plays a very important role while planning cities. It's a really important point and I think that we see that exactly cities are often the uh, first movers and really spearheading a lot of the use and reuse of data to improve public decision-making and better deliver different types of services. We actually, with this in mind, just closed the application period for an incubator program that we're organizing here at GovLab that's bringing on a cohort of individuals in cities around the world who are looking to, as we say, level up their use of data innovations in a way that can help create new value for their cities. And what we've seen is that you know, there is quite a lot of experimentation in the use and reuse of, of data across cities and different cities in different parts of the world or different cities uh, who, that are very close to each other often are at very different stages of their maturity in the use of data for this type of purpose. So there is no, I think one of the challenges that we're experiencing um, and one of the reasons we established this incubator was that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to kind of level up city uh, activity as it relates to data. In some cases, cities might have an open data law or policy or regulation that pushes you know, government actors to begin sharing data more publicly. There might be certain provisions around private sector entities collaborating with the public sector or sharing data in certain cases. There might be well-established partnerships bringing together different actors across sectors to collaborate around certain data sets to create new public value. Or there might be some combination of, of those or different levels of progress across each of those different types of, um, of project or objective or type of data innovation. So what we're really trying to do with this incubator program is help each of those cities that we're working with really pinpoint the opportunities to uh, better leverage the use and reuse of data to improve the way they operate and create really kind of customized strategies for going about that. And you you put your finger on, on one in particular that, that we think is really important and, and somewhat lacking in the space, which is how do you go about conducting a cost benefit analysis for new types of data stewardship and reuse efforts? Um, because as it stands, 
I mentioned some of those value propositions earlier and the potential value of data, but especially in a government context, you know, those questions of budget, budgetary implications and how much is this all going to cost and what's going to be the actual return on that investment is something that is often lacking um, and really uh, something that we, we feel is potentially going to be transformative if we create and kind of disseminate those types of methodologies and approaches for better articulating and identifying the, the costs and the benefits of going into this work at a city level and more broadly. Of course. And I think uh, here there is a major responsibility which comes in from the organization which is trying to promote the open data policy. It's important to have good data stewardship program or a capacity building program, which helps the user identify and migrate the risk of misuse, but work on the misuse. Yeah, exactly. We often use that framing um, when discussing the, the concept of data responsibility. And, you know, for good reason, and quite often, whenever you hear the term data responsibility or responsible data approaches, people are specifically referring to that uh, question of, as you said, the misuse. Is data being protected? Are we guarding against privacy harms? Um, are we ensuring that there is an unauthorized access of different types? All very important. But sometimes what isn't brought into the picture is this question of missed use. So opportunities where a data set that exists and could be used to improve decision-making or better make a policy or deliver a service. Many different reasons, but essentially the stakeholders at play weren't able to kind of get their act together and find a way to put that data to use. And there can be all kinds of implications of that as well. So better understanding what those opportunity costs and kind of missed uses of data and their um, implications, we feel is something that, that would be valuable to do in addition to that really important kind of risk assessment and mitigation of some of those risks of misuse. Thank you so much, Andrew. And it was really insightful discussing with you the fair data sharing practices adopted in New York City and other cities in the United States, as well as looking through some of the inclusive approaches, which are really important while a city or a country which is planning to move ahead towards fair data sharing practices for building dynamic cities. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode from the Data Knowledge Action for Open Systems podcast series. If you like our podcast and want to know more about the series, check out our website, www.crdf.org, and follow us on social media. Please leave a review, like, and share wherever you listen to the podcast. Look out for the next episodes and join us next time. Thank you.